0: What's up, guys? Uh, once again, welcome back, guys, to uh, another episode of Cuatro Cuadrados. Uh, on this episode, I was uh, fortunate enough to talk to a uh, assistant coach uh, to a high school here outside of uh, Houston, on the on the west side of Houston, uh, Brookshire Royals. Uh, I was able to talk to Bruno Baltasar, uh, who is one of the assistant coaches over there. Um, and I just want to let you guys know that we had a great conversation, great a lot. We talked a lot about, you know what it is to be a coach, you know, his, his career, you know, coming from Portugal all the way to, to Houston and how he ended up, you know, being a coach and, you know, you know what the future looks like for him and everything in between. Uh, but I just wanted to give you guys a heads up that the conversation does cut out at the end, uh, but it was literally at the final uh, where, where I was about to actually close the, the episode for the, you know, the episode period. So, you know, if you see that, you know, sudden uh, change or sudden, you know, cut off, you know, don't be too alarmed. It, it was actually the end of the conversation. Uh, but, you know, once again, I want to thank Bruno for taking the time to be able to come on the show and sharing his story, sharing everything that he has learned and everything that he's going to, uh, you know, be going you know doing in the future. So hopefully, you know, you guys enjoyed this uh, great episode and we'll see you guys on the next episode of Cuatro Bellas. have a good one all right so welcome back everybody to another episode of cuatro cuatro dos obviously it's been a little while since we you know we had shows and we actually had you know guests on the show but today we uh, we were able to find somebody that actually you know works with in the local community here around well kind of outside of houston but you know houston adjacent uh and he's actually a coach, a high school coach, an assistant coach here on the area. And you know, we wanted to talk to him and, and kind of see what that lifestyle is like. You know, obviously, you know, being a coach it can be you know difficult at times because you have to deal with you know personalities of of your players, but not only your players, but you know, he's a high school coach, so obviously, you know, you have young guys you have to mentor and stuff like that so it'll be interesting to you know I thought it would be interesting to talk to people like that and see what you know what their mindset is and you know just kind of learn their stories and today I have Bruno so how you doing Bruno how are you man? I'm good, I'm good and you? Good, good good man you know Boca just won a couple Libertadores so we're, we're feeling good you know? uh bad bad Sporting
1: yeah. will finish second
0: in the Portuguese league so I don't know about that. Closing up. So yeah, let's go ahead and get started with that. You're you're Portuguese, right? So you know, can you tell me, you know, how is it, how is it growing up in Portugal? I, I don't think I've ever met a Portuguese person. Uh,
1: it's relaxed. Uh, I live in the outskirts of Lisbon, which is the capital. Uh, uh-huh. you know, as a little kid, you you play in the street. You uh, oftentimes you get a soda can, you flatten it with your feet, and then you play with it if you if you if you ever play with a soda can if there's one thing you learn with it is that if you can play with a soda can you definitely can play with a soccer ball uh so we'll it will acquire you some uh some technical skills um and you definitely pick up a lot of fights as well because it gets intense out there uh (laughs) especially because some people just put their feet on top of the soda can and they don't want to let it go (laughs) uh but it's uh it's it's Culturally, it's not very different as one can really think about America. Uh, the food is not, it's not very different. Uh, maybe less less burgers and more like uh, slow cooking. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's not, it's not very different. Um, now, in terms of soccer, definitely a religion down there, as big as a religion it is. Uh, much more, I mean, you can relate it Argentinian. It definitely gets wild out there um so that's one thing that is a little bit different america is definitely growing the soccer over here is definitely growing and uh, yeah. it's exponentially it used to be every four years when the world cup was around everyone would pretend to uh, pick a team and to be an expert um uh, but the game is getting much better i mean obviously on the woman's side it's always been very good but on the on the boy's side it's uh, we've even on the high school it, you know you're talking about high school uh Back then with the problem with high school, and still is in a lot of high schools, is that a lot of coaches are just uh, football coaches. They're pretending to be uh, soccer coaches. And Mm -hmm. that hurts the game, that hurts the little kids, because these coaches really, uh, they don't know what they're doing. And it's not really their fault. Um, You know, oftentimes schools don't got the money to just uh, pay stipends just specifically to people that really are knowledgeable of soccer. Um, But it hurts the kids uh, because it it stops their development. Not every kid can afford club soccer. Uh, Club soccer can be very expensive and some some kids don't have even the transportation to go uh, to club soccer and practice every day. So it's, uh, you know, via high school, public high school, at least they have to be there every day. Um, So he allows them for free as well uh, to be able to, uh, if of course they got the skills, but he allows them to develop their game. So um, it's good seeing nowadays more and more coaches that uh, actually know what they're talking about, more specific soccer coaches. And you're starting to slowly see that the the level of competition is starting to increase. Um, A lot of coaches now not just focus about soccer, but they focus about the physical aspect of the player um such as making them lift weights and things of that nature and you're starting to see um the competition starting to be a lot better i mean i'm not gonna lie to you a few years back if you were going to see a high school game you probably hurt your eyes a little bit the quality was <laughs> very good uh but it's slowly even even a, you can go to a 4a school uh competition which is uh, less population and mm-hmm. you can get very good games uh out of there so it's starting to really grow um kids are starting to have a passion coaches are starting to have a passion
0: and schools starting to see the worth in it at least administration is seeing the yeah. worth in it. so before we we because i have questions about the whole you know high school situation high school soccer but before mm-hmm. we get we dive in into that because i you know like i said i have multiple questions mm-hmm. tell me how you know how a guy from uh, you know from portugal from lisbon you know makes it all the way to to texas how, how is that right how is that journey
1: uh through depression, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I'm honest with you. Um, so I was with the youth levels of Sporting Lisbon, which uh, if mm-hmm. people know about Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, he, that's the team that he started as well. Um, and um, I was there. I mean, he's obviously a little bit older than me. Um, I, I played against him. We played. We used to scrimmage oftentimes the older uh, levels. Um, and so I was, you know, left back. I was pretty good as not so much. Technicality, but more IQ of the game, which allowed me to be good, a good, smart defender, yeah. uh, which, of course, yeah. years later, you makes sense as a coach if you have a good IQ of the game. Yeah. Um, but I, used, I was really good. I got back-to-back ACLs, um, which led me to being 17 years old. I already had um, an offer from uh, Strela, which was a team uh, back then. It was in the first division. They're no longer in the first division. Um, to be a pro and everything, but I was still a minor. The doctor told a hey, if he has another ACL to my mother, his leg, like, it he might, he's really gonna struggle to walk. And that really scared my mother. She didn't uh, sign, uh, she signed off on the rehab to be able to walk, but not to be playing uh, competitively again, which I got cut from the team. Um, and I got bitter at the game itself. I'm like, no, I really, you know, because when you spend so many years as a little kid, especially, and then as a teenager, and you really have an idea that you're going to be someone, and then those dreams are crushed, you are lost. And that led me to, I I struggled, but eventually I graduated with my diploma. I uh, started uh, messing around with basketball, Uh, and I became a basketball scout. I work for a team down there, and they asked me, hey, you know, if we pay you a little bit, can you go uh, actually to America and pick up some uh, guys that cannot make it to the NBA, but watch them, write about them, scout them, and then convince them to come back uh, to Europe to play uh, pro basketball. So that's what I did for two years, and that's the reason that led me to this country in the first place. Um, after that, the team folded. They went bankrupt. Uh, I was just 20 years old. Um, wow, you were so- young. Yeah, I was too young, I would say. Uh, yeah. There are my chances of continuing to do that professionally. Um, yeah. I was yeah. younger than the players, and that was a problem to uh, most uh, teams. Yeah. Um, and then I'm like, okay, well, I'm, uh, I'm already in America. might as well see if I can have success over in this country. <laughs> um, yeah. But that uh, changed me to more the regular field up till a few years back i decided you know what i can get a degree my original thought is i'm going to get a college degree i can be on the criminal justice side of things so maybe i can help people that uh, were immigrants as well Mm -hmm. Uh, especially try to put them their paperwork and things of the nature that didn't work out as well because i failed the vision test with the department of homeland security so once again (laughs) i had to redesign my goals and they led me to okay I love soccer. I can actually be a coach if I can teach in high school, and yeah, that's yeah. how I became a teacher. And now, fast forward, uh, a coach as well. Uh, what so do what, what do you teach? Uh, I'm under the social studies, but I teach psychology and sociology. right. Oh, so trying to find the reason why I continue to be depressed, but yet, <laughs> <have a> smell <laughs> on my face.
0: <laughs> hey, that, that's me right there, bro. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the same way every day of my life. I'm like, yeah, you know, but yeah, you got to keep going, find a reason and, and, you know, keep pushing forward. So but at
1: soccer, least we try. hobby. It makes you not think about stuff that sometimes is not very pleasant to think about. I think, I yeah, think that's, that's what connects a lot of us with the same passion. You know, we, yeah. we can, we can talk about, Soccer and it makes you not think about anything else, you know. And that's that's why this is this is a passion. This is why it's sure. and that's why a lot of people though.
0: Passion can be good, but sometimes it can also yeah. be very bad. Exactly. So tell me, tell me about your your coaching. Uh, your like your 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 coaching career. How did that start? You know when you know you you decided. How old were you when you were like, okay, I'm gonna become a teacher and I'm gonna become a coach. When, a teacher
1: four uh, years ago. A coach uh three years ago when i started being being a coach <laughs> last year uh okay. and uh but i said it, if i was gonna do it it had to be the right thing i could have became a coach years ago um but it had to be the right project and surrounded by the right people because again soccer was something that uh, i think hurt me too much so i didn't want it to go back to soccer and then not feel like i would get hurt again out of the yeah. game and i definitely didn't want to surround myself with the uh, football knowledge and not soccer knowledge if that makes sense and i say i'm only saying it the american way <laughs> yeah uh, because it's literally the football with the ends that, that that uh that schools would relate to um i met um you know christian guzman is uh our head coach and uh we clicked we clicked it wasn't like a job interview or anything it was more like we uh just brainstorming ideas uh soccer knowledge and i'm picky I'm picky. I'll be honest with you. Um, I like to have <laughs> conversations with people that I can, I know that they understand the game, uh, and you know I'm not to sound cocky, but a lot of people pretend to understand the game, but they really don't understand the game.
0: I agree.
1: Uh, and um, but he understood the game, and I respected that, and uh, he respected me back. And um, long story short, I mean, this year was was not as special as one wanted it in terms of going all the way and, and win everything. But we uh, we did so many records and we created more than anything else. We created a family environment. Uh, And that's that's rare. That's rare.
0: Yeah. So tell me about, you know, before we go specifically to talk about your school, um, you know, I, you know, I grew up in Texas. I'm from Argentina. I came to the U.S. as a kid. Mm -hmm. I actually played at Katie Taylor High School. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm pretty, you know, you're close. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're uh, you're a coach at Brookshire, right? Brookshire High School. Yeah. So right all. outside, right outside of, you know, Houston, a little bit west than Katie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know I know where it is. It's very close to home. But um, so, you know, when I played there, I played uh, high, high school soccer there. I was in varsity three years. Um, we, They're or last looking for a
1: head coach right now.
0: Uh, for real? For real? They are <laughs>
1: looking for a head coach? Um, That's serious. Yes. Oh, yes. really? It is a job that a lot of people are scared to take.
0: Yeah, yeah, I bet. I'm actually, well, I, I don't know yet, but I'm actually uh, might have who was, I don't know, I mean, I guess I don't know what happened, but who was the the head coach there, but we'll see. Yeah. But interesting enough. But yeah, so I went there, you know, it, it was a fun experience, but obviously, you know, uh, being, I guess, you know, a, a Hispanic person, I wouldn't have a lot of Hispanic person, a lot of, you know, white guys were on the team. And, and yeah, like you were saying, you know, the, 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 the mentality of like, you know, soccer was, you know, soccer and football were, were, you know, kind of different. And, you know, just the way that people played, obviously it was different, but uh, I never, I never understood this whole, you know, maybe you as a, as a coach, as a teacher could be able to explain the whole six, a five, a four, a, and in one makes like, for example, your, your, your school compete with, you know 4a schools than 6a schools if that makes sense i don't you know just no. so, to clarify for the people that don't know about high school soccer i have an idea of what that of what that is but just you know to to explain to everybody what what that is the difference between like a 4a 5a and 6a school student population
1: that really mm-hmm. comes up to it's not like first division second division in terms of quality it's just student population in the body that you got um for example, I mean, this season, we went against uh, Morton Ranch, which is a 6A, um, yeah. and we beat them up, and we are a 4A. So it technically, in terms of tiers, we have basically 10,000, uh, 2,000 students less than Morton Ranch. So obviously, as a student body, especially in a public school, you, you have to play with the people that, that you got, exactly. that is a student body. Yeah. So let's say if I got 2,000 more students...
0: <laughs> your pool is a it most bigger. likely
1: allows yeah. me to have uh, much better options exactly. which also leads to the next problem which is if you got a less student body population like for example at brookshire royal we have less than 800 students uh really so it's, it's a small school it's tiny yeah. exactly and that's uh, and of course not everyone is a boy not everyone is a girl so let's exactly. say that 50 50 then it's, you got 400, 400. Yeah. And not every Jeez. 400, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, cares about soccer. Second of all, should ever play soccer. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, and then, but then that, that leads to the next problem, it which is these 6A schools because they got so many uh, students. Yeah. It can be 2,000, 3,000. Some of them got almost 5,000 students. It's
0: crazy.
1: They can actually have a, a varsity team, a JV team, and yeah. a freshman team, which exactly. allows to develop these players
0: sure
1: we for example we had a jv team but in our district we were the only one that had a jv team and we have to play during uh during their season or regular season one would call it we have to play in our district so what happened is we uh during um during the district play that's what they call it the preseason the, the regular season district play uh we have to travel to these teams and we can only bring our varsity and then later in the season, what ends up happening is that the JV ceases to exist because yeah. there's no, re- no way we can pile up two different buses with different coaches, with different people at the same time, go to different places. And that's really the difference and arts, the game between a 6A and oftentimes a 5A compared to the 4A. In 4A, you don't really got JV even If you got JV, it doesn't last more than the preseason. In the preseason, you can set up scrimmages games against the 6 8 schools, oftentimes also, leads least the next problem. A lot of 6A schools don't want to play 4A schools because if they lose, it looks really bad on their resume. And a lot of yeah. coaches, they, they come up with these excuses or schedule is full. It, it's not. They just <laughs> yeah. don't want to play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and sure. uh, and, and, and it's, that's what people get it wrong um just because it's a 4a it doesn't mean that it's a less quality team compared uh-huh. to a 6a obviously especially if you are in the Katy area the 6a schools are powerhouses yeah. uh you got seven lakes which is nationally ranked over and over and over and over they are nationally ranked and they didn't even won a state uh so <laughs> you know so the competition in Katy is fierce uh very very fierce um 4A, it's good, but I'll tell you something. In 4A, you start seeing much better, more a little bit up north in the state because there's a lot more support of club uh, clubs that support these smaller high schools. Mm-hmm. For example, a kid in my school, if he wants to play club, he has to drive about 15 miles to Katy uh, if he wants to do club soccer because there's nothing around the Brookshire area. And the thing about it, that, too, is that that leads to the next problem. A lot of these KD schools, the the parents are more financially stable, which allows them to just pay the fees and drive the kids to go to club soccer. The problem with us is we don't have that. Sometimes, for example, even if we wanted to have uh, some summer practice, whatever, which technically not really supposed to have it. But let's say that we wanted to uh, do something around the summer or during the off-season where the kids are not in school. A lot of them even struggle to go two miles down the road because wow. they have no transportation. So that's another thing, too, that you are dealing oftentimes when you're looking at smaller schools. Oftentimes, smaller schools also means a bigger minority and bigger minority oftentimes relates to uh, smaller incomes as well, which impedes a lot of uh, the development, even if the kids are good. It, let's say they, the season is goes from Thanksgiving all the way till March, April, depends how far you go. Mm-hmm. After that, what happens? School is over. Yeah. So it's that's why you need see. the club support system to continue to be in shape and be better, because if you don't have that, then maybe when the school restarts, you can do cross-country and stay uh, in shape and get fast. But if not, that's it.
0: That's it, you ain't got nothing.
1: So that's the biggest difference between four, five, and six, eight. It's just student body population. It's, it doesn't necessarily mean quality. Uh, Bernie, for example, won a state in 4A right now, back-to-back years, which is very tough to win back-to-back years. And they, they I think they'll... They'll definitely make a deep run in the playoffs if they were a six A school. Uh, their number fourteen is very talented, one of the best players I've seen in high school. Uh, and and it it just it's a shame because if you don't watch the game, you literally think you're looking at third division, right? Because it makes sense four, five, six, right? So yeah. six first yeah. division, second division, five. It's not. It's not at all. It's just a student body population. And also keep in mind this: just because a team. And every two years, they, they check back at the numbers. And then sometimes you can go, it yeah. happens, not rarely, rarely more than not. But sometimes you might have a 6A being reclassified as a 5A if the student population diminished. Yeah. But oftentimes what you start seeing, even with Pato now in a lot of these new schools in Katy,
0: yeah.
1: uh, they, like Katy Jordan. Katy Jordan was a 5A. This past season, they are now going to be a 6A school. Because for the first time they have seniors, and because That's the sure. student body population went, which wasn't really too fair, uh, because they already had enough people, and everyone—that's the thing—you got to bring new school if you got money. Everyone wants to be there, and exactly. and they had so many uh, good club soccer players transferring uh, from one school to the other, uh, and obviously transferring is illegal. But if you got an address from a family member that lives exactly. nearby, then you're going to do it. So yeah. that's why they went to state as a five A school, which uh, you know we actually played them during uh, as a scrimmage, and we lost three to one. But we lost three to one to a team that actually made it all the way to state exactly. as a five A. That basically is a six A school. So we get and we actually dominated the game. We just made three mistakes that they were able to uh, finish on us, and we played down there. Uh, so again, you if you were there and you saw the game, you'll be like, wow. I don't even know if there's a difference between 5A or or 4A or anything like that. So it just, it just depends. It's just, it's it's important for now for people that are not familiar with the high school system Mm -hmm. to understand that. Yes, technically, because you got more people, you might have bigger quality, uh, or at least you got more bodies to pick, but Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a must.
0: All right. So I got two questions. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say them right now, just so I don't forget them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But because I I imagine you guys have uh, do a lot of traveling, you know. Obviously, being in Brookshire, like you know, it being like a small town, you you usually probably have to you know go against other small towns. Therefore, your traveling schedule might be you know a little bit harsher than, you know, maybe if you're in Katy, you know, like I was, you know, you go Cinco Ranch, Seven Lakes, you know, fairly fairly around the area, right? So one question is about traveling. And then after you enter that one, I wanted to ask you, you know, what's the process of of you guys, you know, picking the, the guys for the team? Because obviously your your the population of the school is a lot you know, smaller. So, you know, how many guys do you have, you know, going out for tryouts? You know, how many guys do you get to get, you know, to pick for the team? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how hard is is the whole process? You know, obviously, since you don't have the numbers to, you know, pick and choose. Or, or to be picky, you know. But you know, it's like, maybe you can't be picky. You know, you just gotta have to get a guy that maybe he's not at the level of the other guys. But you know, maybe bring him in and have him, you know, grow as a maybe a freshman, sophomore, whatever. So by the time he's a senior, he could be ready to to play with the you know with the big boys. So, go ahead. So,
1: in terms of traveling, um, yeah, sometimes we drive about fifty miles or so uh to go to some away games I'll, I'll be honest with you uh the biggest thing with trouble uh, the, with it's fighting transportation itself within our district there's such a, bu- uh, a bus driver shortage it's kind of all around yeah. uh but that's that's one of the problems that we have more than anything else of course when we make it to the um playoffs oftentimes you pick you play against teams like for example we played Mejia, which is in san antonio and uh, we have to pick a neutral site, and we drove all the way to um, uh, College Station, basically Ooh, to have yeah. the game. Which for us, I mean, for us, is an hour now, yeah, to one hour and ten minutes. For them, is like an hour and forty minutes drive. Right? So it, it it can get tedious, especially in the playoffs when you're playing uh, teams that are just all around. I mean, you can go to to you can, you know, it you can be all over the place, and that and this sucks because these kids. Sometimes are not accustomed to it and then being on the bus for like two hours and you arrive like an hour before the game and they're like falling asleep, it it hurts the game, it hurts the game Uh, and you do have to warm up and get ready to to play as a little kid that you're not accustomed to it, especially because you don't do club soccer, that hurts, that hurts. Uh, That's something that it hurts, for example, during the playoffs. In terms of, um, what was the second uh, question again? Sorry. Uh,
0: like, since obviously the pool of, of students oh, yeah. is a lot smaller, how, how is the process of, of picking a team to, to compete?
1: So the uh, the one thing I'll I'll tell you about Royal is that, um, I hope say so these, they, my head coach might be on me about it, uh, <laughs> but um, it's the most popular sport. Uh, it's we are predominantly minority Hispanic as well so everyone does love soccer is the uh, major sport Mm -hmm. that is the sport that we are very good at year after year um you know we are still developing the other programs but soccer is the one that is 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 the clear cut favorite successful program that we got going on uh so I would say these you might not like it but um I would say that we have a lot more people to try out that should try out uh if that makes sense there's yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. it's about 60 60 to 80 people um i think this year coming up we we might have we might have it might even be more uh which is not necessarily bad trying on is not bad at all you know yeah, um yeah. we don't like to cut people um mm. i'll say it uh i <laughs> believe in cutting people but yeah. that's not really uh, the way the district wants us to do it. So, and which I get it, you know, um, sports in high school uh, are a way to get yourself busy and pulls you away from maybe other things that you would be doing otherwise that are negative for you. Uh, so yeah. I definitely understand that. Um, it, it helps us to have the JV team because we definitely need a JV team to pile up uh, all the 25 that don't make it to varsity. Um, of course, you want to have more than 25 because if you fail every six weeks, your grades, you can actually not play the six weeks uh, afterwards. So you, you do got to have more than 25 options. Uh, that's injuries to you and things of that nature. Yeah. So you want to develop, especially on the JV, but th- that creates the same problem again, like I told you, this past season, for example, we had about four games on the JV. And that was it because no one else yeah. in the other district had JV teams. So the only way that we could try to tell them was that, hey, look, come to practice. You never know. And actually, I kid you not, the, about the six, seven, eight people that continued to stay in practice, they all ended up at some point in time uh, starting at least a game on varsity. Uh, even if maybe they weren't necessarily ready for it, they started it because some of the games we got out of some of the games we knew that it would beat the other team regardless. So we wanted to give minutes, playing minutes, meaningful play minutes to see how uh, much more they can develop. Because one thing is practice, but you never develop as much as you develop during game action. Um, that's something that it's, it's priceless as a player. You can practice all you want, and yes, you'll get better, but it's the game action, that pressure. They're getting used to the pressure, getting used to the screams from the sidelines, to your teammates, to the other teams, to the parents, to the fans. That's something that you need to get used to. And and there's really no one that can teach you that unless you really play the game. So that helps us. I mean, uh, we had a player that uh, really ended up this season being one of the starters, and he actually had never played soccer uh, before he even uh, did a tryout. So his game really, Uh, went very high in terms of skills. Of course, here and there, he felt self-conscious about himself. So the mentality aspect of it wasn't really there and he still was not there. He's still not there. I just had a conversation with him two two days ago about it uh, because he wanted to quit uh, for next season. He didn't want to play. um, And I had to convince him that, yeah, dude, you, bro, it's the first year you played and you already had a starting spot on a team that made it all the way to third round. Um, so you, you know, yes, I do understand that you're looking at the negative things you have done, the wrong pass, that being scared on, on the divided ball and all those things. But I mean, as a player, you're going to mess up multiple times sometimes throughout the game. I mean, you got, for example, Ronaldo, I mean, up till uh, last month, he spent about two months that, let's be honest, he, he sucked for two months and that's yeah. my favorite player. Uh, but up till last month when he started scoring again for two months, it was rough. It was rough. And that's, that's a legend. I mean, Messi, you Argentinian, Messi this season. I don't, I don't know about that. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Nine and six. Yeah.
1: It's just not there. (laughs) So that's, that's, that's why it's useful uh, to have a lot of players. Um, We don't necessarily, um, we just, you know, uh, went to see the eighth graders too, because they're about to come up. Um, They look good. Uh, The seventh graders need development. Uh, but the Edgars look good. They've been playing for a few years. They really never had a coach, so that's they're they raw on the edges. But they have chemistry already because they 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 almost all best friends. And that's going to bring about 20 good options that are going to compete and make up for the seniors that are leaving uh, the program. And you are going to lose some good seniors. Wilson uh, was probably one of the best midfielders we've ever had. Uh, A.B. Garcia, too, one good striker midfielder they were going to lose. Uh, We're going to have Aldo, which MVP of the district, um, All-State Honorable Mention, um, an amazing player. He scored, I believe, 33 goals, 11 assists. He broke the record for all time for Royal, most goals scored in the season. He actually broke uh, our uh, head coach record because our head coach used to play for Royal and he uh, broke his record for most goals scored. But um, because some of the games get out of hands, uh yes we don't have JV but these 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 games they got out of fans allowed us to make a lot of substitutions in the second half and we basically were putting the JV out there this coming season we we're able to already convince a lot of the KD schools um we're gonna be in the KD tournament uh, again so we're gonna play a lot against uh, 6A schools so we already have about six to maybe eight jv games scheduled which is oh, going to yeah. be really good, uh, good for the for the week for the season coming up
0: all right, so you were talking about uh, eighth graders, you know how how you went to go see them, kind of go check them out, and how you were able to uh, to like you know secure, I guess some some games, you know, with some K.D. schools for the JV uh, squad. So my question to you, you know, how how is that going to be? Uh, how many coaches are is in the staff and you know with the team? Because you know, obviously, you're the assistant coach. You have what was the name of the coach, Chris? Uh, Chris and Guzman. Guzman he's mm-hmm. the he's the head coach the assistant coach is there any more people in in like the team the coaching team or you know are you going to be taking care of of the like the, the JV team and the the newcomers how does no, that work?
1: Devin, Devin Lysing is the is also the assistant uh we both oversee the JV um uh, Guzman doesn't really oversee the JV uh it's more up to us to develop them uh I mean, he's of course at the games, and he, uh, you know, we talk, we have a good feedback of it. Uh, mm-hmm. But we use the same formation uh, from the varsity team, so at least the players are accustomed to to use the formation. So if they get called up to varsity, they already know what is more or less expected of them. Um, we run a tight ship, um, you know. Ideally, uh, and I think as things are going to go a little bit more forward. Uh, We're also going to have one of the JV coaches starting to uh, coach the eight and seven graders. Uh, it's beneficial because their season is right after uh, the uh, high school season ends, and it just runs for about a month. Oftentimes, it's just either way a tournament or four games. That's how it works across um, the Texas uh, school system, at least. Um, so it gives them a. It's supposed to just give them a taste. I don't like that because every game that you play uh, and it starts zero, zero, it's competitive. Um, so you, 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 play to win the game. You don't play to just have fun, at least not as a grader uh, in yeah. my book. Of course you got, you got to have fun, obviously, because if you don't have fun, you're going to quit. Uh, so at that age, you, you got to, it's, you got to make it a balance, uh, but you also got to take it serious. And that's, that's something that um. I believe that one of the JV coaches should do and also to make the bridge in terms of, Hey, you know, this is what you expect. This is what, you know, what I see you good. Maybe over the summer, you can work on specific things, especially it's not oftentimes we got freshmen that make it to our varsity. I mean, we had uh, Roy Escobar was an example of a player that uh, is a striker that that made it as a freshman, but mm-hmm. it's very rare uh, to find freshmen. that make it to our varsity just due to the quality of uh, the game we got uh, but we, we want to start uh, employing a lot more growth into the program. Um, that's something that in the previous seasons have not been done with the, with the previous coaching staff. And this is not me talking crap about nobody. Uh, it's just different philosophies in style of the game. Uh, but we, when we joined forces this year, it was all about changing the program to become an elite program. Uh, within the state of Texas uh, and and we started starting to do things differently we started getting players with uh offers to go to college which most of them never really cared about their grades because again they're minority and they never thought they could you know get scholarships or college for much if if not free much much cheaper because of their mm-hmm. uh, soccer skills and um, so that's that's something that now they're starting to realize and and let's be honest um, the work ethic has to start in the classroom. And so even as a club, so as a club soccer is a little bit different because you know your parents are paying for it. Yeah. Um, so it, there's a different pressure applied to it. But in high school that let's have fun, it's still what you find it and then you got that football coach that tells them may hey, figure it out just scrimmage every practice and uh but their culture is changing uh and 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 if you don't if you're not changing along it you're losing every game uh by a lot and uh so that that their work ethic starts in the classroom so if they got a work ethic in the classroom that's that's going to be easier for me to also coach them uh after the classes uh you know and that's something that we're also changing slowly at royal um it's that mindset um also at la royal that leads to one of the i don't know if you're going to ask me or not but obviously these these uh this week uh we've been having some some twitter action uh <laughs> and uh and 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 i'm not gonna really necessarily like talk or names or anything like that um but one of the things that we also uh you know want to make the, and it's, it's been a battling for me all year long. Uh it's the mental aspect of the game, especially with kids. Uh they yeah. they're not mentally tough. Um you know yeah. they like to to look tough, sound tough, but they're not. And um in in a lot of times we talk about rivalries and sometimes I go online and I see adults saying that, oh what a great rivalry this is and that is and all that. And that's great. But then the rivalry gets transplanted into the parents. The parents are at home telling the kids, hey, make sure you don't lose this game. Make sure that you play extra hard on this game. And it's applying this pressure of like, we don't like the team and all that. And and then they go to the game, the game gets a little physical and then you start seeing stuff getting out of hand. So, Hmm. you know, this is my, to my advice, people especially when they're still talking about young adults, you know, this is not the Premier League uh you yeah. know these these premier league players are accustomed to it and even then sometimes there's there's some some there's some action out there on the field uh yeah. um, so you know that's 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 one advice because uh, a lot of coaches one of the things they don't like to do is like for example a lot of coaches pick the other side of the field to coach because they don't have to deal with the parents uh that's that's sometimes one of the sleek things i see it Uh, you know, because a lot of, every parent is a coach, uh, you know, (laughs) and, uh, so it's confusing because the player is playing, trying to play, and then he's hearing something from the parents on the stands. Then he's hearing something from the coach. Then he doesn't want to let down none of them. At the end of the day, he doesn't want to let down the teammates, but the teammates are also telling them something else. So it gets confusing. And that's something that I, you know, recommend as everyone, uh, to just be on the same, the same path um it's yes it's fun to watch a game when there's when you know there's a big some spice into it yeah but they they kids they're still kids and exactly. i see it. i see it. they they spend the on the week listening to these or even going online and then there's fights there's fights there's literally fights the game gets physical and then there's fights and, and then go back online, and then I'm reading about fights that happen and adults are blaming this and blaming that. The truth is, the fault is the the adults that are enticing these rivalries. There are no rivalries. It's just, it's a game. You You win it, you shake hands, you lose it, you shake hands. You know, you learn, you only get better also if sometimes you lose. You have to sometimes feel the pain of losing to understand that maybe you need to work harder and and so there's there's learning curves i mean this season we definitely lost in the third round we thought we were going to make it to state we did not so it's a lesson learned that we have to work harder you know and 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 so yes it was a bad thing we lost but in the long run of the program maybe it was the right thing that happened for us you know Uh, to change mentalities and, and things like that so uh, but that's that's one important thing about that I wanted to make it clear. I don't know if you were going to talk about, or not about it, but it's um, just be aware that they are still kids. Yes, you got to care and everything like that. But just people should be a little bit more conscious about what they say and how they say it too. So too
0: let me let me ask you like a deeper question towards that subject. How do you guys, you know, you you and your coaching staff deal with? Because obviously, you can only control your team, your players, and maybe, you know, the parents of your players. Mm -hmm. But how do you guys, you know, do you guys talk, you know, with the parents? Do you guys tell them, you know, hey, you know, hey guys, you know, let us do our job type deal. You know, we understand you're the parent. You know, do you guys have conversations with the parents at all? You know, what's that relationship like, you know, in your school specifically, because obviously you can't talk for Mm -hmm. for anybody else, but how do you guys deal, you know, because that's added pressure, you know, uh, having parents, I mean, I remember my dad <laughs> yelling from the stands like, hey, do this, do this, you know? And you're like, wait, well, what do I do? Do I listen to my coach? Or do I listen to my dad? And like you said, you know, and you, when you're a kid, when you're, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, you know, you don't want to let your parents down, but then also you don't want to let your, your coach down, you know, your teammates. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how do you guys deal, with, you know, specifically with that? You know, you just kind of talked about it, you know, like surface level. But, you know, in your case, in your team, how how do you deal with that? You can really never control
1: what they say on the stands. You know, uh, we can have conversations. I I don't know if that's beneficial or things like that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes after some games, we had some parents coming to us, telling us what we're doing wrong. And you kind of got to do that uh, customer service job which is oh listen make them feel important and everything and i'm not saying they're not important because obviously they are um but it's it just you as as a coach you have to stick to your philosophy and mentality of the game so you have to yes listen to them but take it only what it what it's beneficial on the stands you can't control it you can't control yeah. it. You tell, the, you tell the players over and over to listen to you, uh, you know, because they, we are the ones that spend all the time on practices out there with them, one-on-one, trying to make them better. So it's trusting the process. And that's see, that's the thing. When the players are aware and they understand, because they spend a lot of time watching soccer, so they get a, they get a pretty good idea if they have a coach that understands soccer or not. Yeah. So if they have a coach that uh, they, they look up to because he understands soccer, then they're going to buy into the coach oftentimes than what the people in the stands are saying, even if it's their parents. And that's yeah, something that I have seen over and over. But if it's a coach that he doesn't really know what he's doing and then know that the coach doesn't know what he's doing, then he's listening to the father on the stands. Yeah. And and I see they you might be in Spanish. You might be on a different language that they believe that the coaches might not be able to understand it. Also, when I'm on the game, I don't listen to that. Um, I'm not focused on that. I'm there to coach my players. I'm not there to uh, talk or make friends. Uh, that's a statement we always say. We are there not to make friends. We are there to make our players better. We are there to make these young adults men, a good men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and through the passion of soccer, giving them also some wins because, you know, if they work hard, they deserve to win on the field. And and, and oftentimes one of the things we struggled this year was that I talk a lot to the referees, everyone on the bench talks a lot to the <laughs> referees. Unfortunately in high school, we don't have the best quality of referees uh, in the game. I'm myself, I'm a referee, so I can attest for that. Um, it, I wish it was different. Um, I feel like maybe in a few years we'll be, it's tough because as a referee, you get cursed uh, all the time. It's not yeah. fun. You have to not listen to it. And uh, and it's kind of like what I do on the sidelines. We don't listen to it. We just focus on the game. Um, you know, in off time, we, we get together in a circle and everyone has to pay attention. That's another thing too. Like if someone is out there on, at off time, trying to talk to their parents rather than being on the circle and listening to us as, as a coaching staff, um, that's going to hurt your playing time next week. Uh, there's, you, you have to understand there's consequences into it. Um, yeah. So buying into a coach that knows what he's talking about, consequences that are well advised as well, those are things that allows you to manage. Now, the parents will always talk. You're going to have to make them feel good. You're going to have to listen. Um, you know, uh, of course, if it gets out of hand, you're going to say, hey, sir, if you're starting to disrespect me, I think this is the end of the conversation. Uh, there's only so many limits as well but you have to parents are important without the parents oftentimes the kids are they have to stay after school so the bus doesn't work uh, when the practice lasts two hours and they have to come out of their way and pick them up so they have to feel important because they are important without them really and truly this doesn't exist as a program so yes we have to listen to them and i mean sometimes they have you know some interesting things you know um, you know, I'm not oblivious to stuff. If there's something that maybe i never, I'd never thought about it, I'll take it and, and I'll use it. Uh, it's the smartest thing. Put the ego aside. It's, 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 you should put the ego aside. If there's someone that tells you something smart, I don't care who that is. They might even be the opponent coach. If it's telling you something that I go home and I repeat it and I'm like, oh, that's actually kind of smart and I might use it. Then I'm using it. Yeah. Um, you cannot have a big ego as a, at least not as a high school uh, coach. You have to be smart about your decisions, make them feel important because they are, uh, but you don't need to swallow everything they tell you. So that's my advice at
0: least. No, hey, that's good. That's good. And, uh, let me ask you about this, this side, you know, we talked about the, the young guys coming in, you know, seven, mm-hmm. seven, eighth graders eventually coming into high school. Uh, mm-hmm. but tell me about the other side of, of that, you know, high school career, the you know the seniors that leave the high school you know how you know you talked you touched a little bit about how you guys are trying to change the culture you know have have the the kids kind of think about you know their future maybe going to college you know maybe get scholarships go play college soccer or or even if they don't to you know better themselves you know how how do you guys you know man because being a high school coach it's it's tough man there's so many different things but you know in that specific aspect how, how do you guys deal with that
1: the most painful thing you have every season is the last game of the season that you'd know for a lot of high school players that was the last competitive game you ever did in your life yeah. you see people crying i mean for a run of the playoffs you know i had players with eight minutes left in the game crying and i'm like bro it's not over it means a lot of minutes. We just saw it today. Uh, yeah, you know, in yeah. the Champions League. So you know, yeah. and 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 but it's tough. It's tough because again, you got young adults, you know, and and kids and, and feelings and all these bottled-up teenager action going on. Uh, so it's it's tough. It's you know, you're not supposed to cry as a coach, but you care, especially if you were a coach that were in the program for a few years, you you were with them for those three, four years on the on that ride. So it's uh, it's a bittersweet moment. It's, I won't even say sweet, it's it's a bitter moment uh, to see that um, they're not going to be back, at least not as players. I mean, they will be fans, they will be alumni, they will be whatever it is, but it's not. It, it, so it hurts, it hurts. And that's, I mean, it, I remember against Meia about a month and a half ago, it took us about an hour after the game to be able to get on the bus. Um, you know, I mean, the players were devastated to say the least, man. Uh, and they thinking negatively. Some players are like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do in life now, you know, wow. and, and, and it's tough because like I said, I mean, they spent a lot of years, you know, yeah. uh, and Your this voice. was their scapegoat. This was their fun stuff. This was their, if my day goes better, at least I know that I got this going on and, yeah. and it's tough. Um, what to me was tough for these years to know that maybe, and we arrived earlier in their career. They could have achieved more. Uh, they could have been better technically. They could have had more opportunities. They could have done better, maybe in the classroom. They could have had more opportunities in terms of scholarships and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's it. That's I think what to me, specifically to me, uh, it hurt me. I mean, I'm, I'll be honest with you, man. It took me about three weeks, and I'm an adult. It took me three weeks to, and I, I, I mean. It's been a month and a half, and I don't think I'm fully recovered <laughs> yes. uh, from it. But, I mean, we thought about even making a banner uh, about Meia and put it out there as we lift up weights right now. And as a reminder, painful reminder, at least, that if we want to be better, at least to the juniors and sophomores and, yeah. and freshmen, you got another shot. Yeah. The seniors don't anymore yeah. you know and and so it, it's as much as it is bittersweet it serves as motivation because now we got these kids that never felt that pain before and now it's going to lead them to next season taking these a little bit more serious because nobody likes to be in pain for exactly. the seniors i mean <laughs> uh, unfortunately there's nothing that we can do like in terms of if they don't get a scholarship that's that's basically it but that's another side to it maybe we can try to entice them Maybe hey, do you like maybe being a coach because maybe if you can go to college you can get your certification you can get your bachelor's and then you can come over here you know every year you can you know You be an assistant for a little bit or a volunteer assistant or whatever, help out in practice and stuff like that. And one day you can give back to the community, you know, and, and, and still still be involved with soccer, which is a lot of these kids' passions. I mean, I got a, I got Sebastian which which is a, is a sophomore. And I mean, that's a coach right there. He's already a coach and he's a sophomore. One of the most key players. I always tell him, man, you're going to be big in two years, man. And next year and, and last year and next year. And but he knows he knows the game he knows the game and I asked him do you want to be a coach and I said yeah I want to be a coach I was like okay okay well then continue to use these as a fuel to make your college much much cheaper so for the seniors it's it's bittersweet it's kind of like you spend two months before the school ends and they get their high school diploma uh, trying to give them hope and trying to give them light for what's next in their life. so that's, again, that, that psychological component. It's, it's very important, even though a lot of coaches neglect. Because I see a lot of coaches, once that's it, the season, and the seniors, they neglect the seniors. Because it's kind of like, oh, they, I don't need oh these guys God. anymore, so screw them. And that's, that's selfish. Once again, selfish and very wrong. Uh, they were part of the program. They're still part of the program. They're forever part of the program. I mean, all the trophies that we got, yes, their names in there as well you know so the program is only we only have 80 kids coming because of all the previous seasons how these guys grinded to become successful as well Mm -hmm. so it's a it's a it's a reminder that um you know and for anyone listening maybe to give a perspective but it's um you should never trash them they're not damaged goods they're not anything like that, they, uh, they are still being an important value. And I like to have these seniors maybe come back next year and talk to these young players as well, you know, uh, and try to give them those painful stories, but also the good stories, all the fun that they had uh, while playing soccer to give them importance that they shouldn't be taking it for granted, uh, soccer, because a lot of players do take high school uh, for granted, and then they regret it and wish they could be uh, turned back the clock there's no such thing in life as turning
0: back the clock. Unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So tell me what, uh, what's the future uh, of this program looking like? You know, what do you, I'm sure you guys are already probably working for next year. Uh, Mm -hmm, You know, what can you maybe share, you know, without giving all your secrets, Can you mm-hmm. just kind of give us an idea of what you guys are working towards, you know, towards the future as mm-hmm. a team? And then maybe, you know, personally, you know, what what are your dreams or aspirations mm-hmm. uh, as a coach or whatever it may be, you know? Um, yeah, um,
1: without trying to give too much. Um, right now we're working in uh, not so much conditioning because conditioning wasn't a problem. Eventually going to have to work on speed. Power speed was a problem. Uh 101, uh especially when we went against six A schools, was a problem. But more than anything else, our physicality, not because we don't, we're not physical, we don't have a we don't have a bigger body like these football players have. And yeah. sometimes <laughs> you see these these teams, they look like six-foot grown men out there. And uh, yeah. we are short. We are a team that is five six, five, seven, five, eight. So if you're short, you should have speed. I, I, you know, you got to beat them up in speed. But if you get contact, these referees, once again, especially if it's in the box, they have a second guess before they call the whistle. So winning that physicality, the 101 uh, challenge is something that we never, before we got this year, we never lift weights. We never were out there lifting weights. And that's a terrible mistake. As a, as a soccer player, you do have to have strength. Uh, some people think it's all about speed and a soccer player, prototype of a soccer player is some skinny guy out there that runs fast <laughs> like a gazelle. That's not necessarily true. You, yes, you do need some of those guys on the team. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but you need to have some physicality. And, and so speed, physicality, conditioning was not necessarily a problem. Like we were able to to keep up better than most teams on our district. So, of course, we're not going to neglect that. Um, but uh, honestly, I'm going to sound cocky. I'm going to, <laughs> some, some, another person is saying Do it, it. do it. <laughs> uh, um, we won district undefeated uh, this season, which was the first time ever uh, we, um, you know, Sealy was the, the team that finished second. Um, mm-hmm. There's some team out there, you know, Nevesota, um they good, they good. They're looking for a coach right now. So that depends on that or when they got as a coach. Um Sealy is still the team to beat. They're not rivals. They're just a team out there. I want to make this clear. <laughs> Our rivals. We got no rivals. Um but my head coach is not gonna agree with that again. But uh <laughs> but um winning this district uh, district undefeated uh we have two last teams we're losing rice in columbus uh so we're going from an eight team district to a six team district Mm -hmm. that sucks and hurts because technically we lose four games uh and that hurts because i like having two games a week it helps especially when we get in the playoffs and sometimes you play back-to-back days uh in later stages of it and travel and all that um, and it's quite impossible to set up scrimmages when other districts are going on. Uh, yeah. So that, that, that's a struggle. Um, making it to state. That's honestly, you know, I don't like to jinx it, but winning state is the ideal scenario over here, but I don't see a reason why we won't make top four and make it uh, to state Um, even this year that's what it was supposed to we were ranked up there very high too and all that Uh, and by the way it was funny because we were were talking a little bit ago about um, terms of population East Mm -hmm. East Chambers to give you an idea and I give my I think I gotta take my head off to East Chambers you know East Chambers good, great this past season I don't think they went as far as maybe they should have uh, but they have less than 400 students less than 400 students I mean that's to me it's amazing what they're doing out there uh, with less than 400 students they went deep on the playoffs they were uh they were supposed to play as deeper in the playoffs um but that didn't happen uh Stafford got in the way but um so yeah state for sure state for sure it's uh if we don't get cocky uh and we bust butts like we're supposed to um def- i don't see i don't And that leads to the next thing, the next part you ask me, what is my envision for myself and things like that. So I'm having a hard time uh, leaving the program because I know it's at it, state is at it, or more, and who doesn't like to win, right? Um, But honestly, um, I'm looking for a challenge where I know that I can be eventually um, a head coach on a 6A. Um, In 6AE, the game tends to be much closer. The teams are much more equal. Um, And the game is faster. You do have bigger bodies out there. And you Mm -hmm. do have a lot more options. Uh, You know, and uh, and there's, these players actually have club soccer. So they stay in shape all year long. Uh, And so that's, you know, being part of running your program by yourself. It's something that I think it's priceless. Uh, you know, that's, that's your final touch. That's your Picasso touch. Or maybe not your Picasso, your crap painting, but hopefully your Picasso. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and that's something that I'm envisioning. I'm actually uh, in the process. I already had a few uh, interviews, of course. Okay. I don't want to say much yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there are certain possibilities for me to leave. Um, I'm having a hard time leaving. Um, because it's a family um and 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 you don't see that often you don't see oftentimes a head coach they listen to the assistants that if you were out there in practice or games maybe you might be confused to to know who's the head coach Mm because everyone talks and everyone has a good say so not just talking because talking is not good but having something important to say on the sidelines is key yeah yeah and we all trust one another that nobody is trying to overstep nobody in things of the nature. But Guzman is a royal boy. Uh, he graduated <laughs> from royal. He's a royal all through and through. He oftentimes jokes whenever he gets 500 wins, he's, he retires and they'll, <laughs> they'll be it and he'll stay a royal. And and that's, that's his thing. And by any means, the, the program is in great hands regardless. And that's something that makes me comfortable knowing. Um, but... You know, I envision myself eventually. Um, uh, and these might even I might even branch out into the girls. There might be an opportunity actually for a six a with okay. the girls as as head coach, Chelsea. Um, but you know, I got some stuff brewing. Um, I'm like royal and like most people that should be in this field. uh I like challenges, I like winning. Uh yeah. and I like I like not just winning, I like dominating. And I like the thrill of knowing that maybe the way I have a program by myself or I have a similar program, maybe in a 5A or a 6A school, that I have the same type of family environment, uh, even if I go somewhere else as an assistant. But at least I know that I'm still respected, that I still have something good to say and things of the nature. Because uh, a lot of times these days, you got a coach that, if he's varsity, he wants to be left alone. Uh, and then you're just the assistant but really and truly you're just a JV guy and and that's great because you need to develop players but you really got nothing to do with varsity and that I think you know that's perspectives, that's philosophy so I don't want to say much about it I don't I don't think it benefits anybody because if my game is finished and I'm on the sidelines I should still be able to tell you maybe I I see something. I, I, you don't have to yeah. do it, but I see these that maybe these might help you. But a lot of uh, a lot of cultures don't necessarily like that because they honestly they feel threatened that the assistant might take their jobs eventually. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, it is high school, but like I said, people do get I don't want to say fired, but they don't get their contracts don't get renewed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Different yeah. phrasing, same situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. You know, but um, just, but yeah, it's about trust. It's about you know challenge. Um, I love new challenges. Um, also if I am to work with someone else, different perspective as well. Different, different, just different perspective and growth. And I also drive forty miles, uh, Oof. each way, each way. So because I'm out here in Willowbrook Mall and it's Brookshire, it's it's a drive. It's a drive.
0: But yeah, it's a but yeah, it's,
1: it's uh whatever happens. You know, and if you don't know much about soccer, um, and if you're around the area, definitely check out uh, Brookshire Royal. They, um, one of the best teams around, at least for 4A and 5A as well. Uh, We, we, I'm not going to say the name of the team, you go online, you might be able to find, but there was a 5A, (laughs) there was a 5A school, we beat them 15 to 0 on a scrimmage this past season. So, oh, wow. you know. Yeah, <laughs> so, just, again, just a little this, shade. <laughs> is, yeah, yeah. This is, this is 4A and 5A, it doesn't mean that exactly. we are any less or the game is going to be bad. Yeah. And definitely, if you want to have fun, go check out the silly uh, Royal game every year. Uh, there is always uh, some
0: funny stuff going on in those games. Cool. So uh, just to kind of finish off, it will take uh, a couple of minutes. Uh just, you know, first of all, you know, tell me when the when the season starts for you guys. And then just, uh, you know, just a, a few minutes. Let me know, uh, you know, what you personally, what kind of coaching style do you like? You know, that you maybe you see on TV, maybe a Jurgen Club or Guardiola or whatever. Maybe what do you try to mimic you personally? Mm-hmm. And then we can close it off with that.
1: So, uh, practice by UIL, because you have to follow UIL guidelines. Practice starts the week after uh, Thanksgiving. That's when it starts. You start seeing the first scrimmages, oftentimes at the very early of uh, December, mid-December tournaments, a lot of tournaments going on. Um, Every team is still finalizing those, so I can't tell you necessarily like when, but somewhere around December district play uh, for any team starts in January. Uh, about first, second week of January, oftentimes, again, depends. And there runs all the way till March. And then in April, March, you have the playoffs. And then, you know, you, know, you, know, um, you got, you know, the state tournament. Um, but uh, in terms of my coaching uh, style, I don't, <laughs> a little bit of everybody. I think you'll be a fool to just pick one dude. And And honestly, I'll tell you something. The most successful teams these days and nowadays are a lot of times coaches that bring a new philosophy to the game. Uh, And you see it. I mean, yeah, Guardioli has been out for a while and all that. But what is a while? Five, six years ago? And what was his style? Was it a style that you have seen before or was it a unique style, a combination of many different styles? And and I'll be honest with you. the more you know I grew up in a perspective that is just soccer soccer then I came over here and I started watching a little bit of football American football and things like that and the one thing that fascinated me about American football was this uh playbook the playbook the, the scripted plays and all that and these yeah. these trick plays and all this stuff that they use down there in American football and I thought to myself you know trick plays technically are these free kick plays that oftentimes you see it, you know? Yeah. And why don't you use more? They do corners and free kicks and things like that to try to trick the, the team into they let's say they have never seen, let's say it's a goofy play.
0: Yeah.
1: As a defender, let's say I stack everybody down there. As a player, I'm starting to look around like, what's going on here? I'm completely <laughs> lost. And yeah. and I say a lot of, in high school, for example, I see that a lot. Most teams don't have no plays that they really practice, honestly. A lot of teams don't, which is a mistake, okay? But yeah. uh, but I, I see it every time. A lot of times what they do is they stack up the box on the corner and they just they kick it out there in the middle and yeah. – Confusion, whatever happens, then, yeah. boom, whatever happens, you know, and, and, and that's kind of it. Sometimes a trick play brings confusion oftentimes to the defense, which allows then the offense, because we have practiced it to be aware of where most likely the ball is going to be at it. And then he yeah. could, I'm actually working on a, on my own plays, about 70 to 80 different plays that I'm either way I huh. practiced when I was younger, or I come up with that I think that maybe someone never really thought about it that can work um of course that only works if you start running in practice and you exactly and your players right. die into it um but i mean even for example you started seeing like a few years back uh when it was the free kicks they do the lay, laying down because the ball if you do the free kick the ball might go down on the, on the floor oh, yeah i still see it and i'm like that's the the, the dumbest thing ever but easy it? <laughs> it, it's not because if you actually kick if everyone right. jumps and, and the ball goes underneath, there's a dude right there. There's a goal, yeah. So it yeah, makes yeah. you think twice as a free kick taker. Maybe I, I need to have the ball going around instead stand underneath because there's a dude underneath. Like, for example, one of the goals we scored in the last round of the playoffs, that's how the ball went. The ball went underneath, and we didn't have nobody to look like a fool. <laughs> but had we had a guy looking like a fool. We will have not suffered their goal. So it's exactly. uh, it's the little things that make a difference. Oftentimes, I mean, you got a lot of games that are zero zero, and there was that one single mistake, that one thing that really unlocked the game. I was just talking to another head coach, and if uh, for example his philosophy was not to hold the ball a lot, uh, a lot, because they know that in the district they are technically not superior than most teams due to how their players are. You know, they're shorter and things like that. So the way he does it, he, the, he, if he has the ball, he has to be the ball with a purpose. It's not necessarily uh-huh. like the counterattack. Yes, it's a little bit of the counterattack because they're shorting, they got more speed. But it's more like you. we know that we're not going to have the ball, but when, when we have the ball, we have to play more like a fast chess game. And I liked when, when I heard that, I liked that because... You do gotta see what the players you got in high school. Every uh, every year you got different bodies; they look different, yeah. different skills, and sometimes you do have to throw your conventional tactic to the trash can, because if the players you got don't really fit that, then you need to you need to mold a little bit differently, and uh, and that's that's more my philosophy, and I believe most people. Uh, you know, that's a struggle we had, and now that's something that at Brookshire we're going to change. But I believe that as a, as a defender, you should have some technique with your feet. You should be comfortable with the ball. Uh, because if you don't, the strikers are going to know it, and they're going to attack your side. And if they keep attacking your side, no matter how good of a defender you are, you eventually will make a mistake. Because you're going to be tired, mentally tired, physically tired. And one mistake again, in a closed game, thats that's all it's it takes. And then especially in high school, you... If you if you go down one zero you and you're not accustomed to it, that's gonna to be tough yeah, to overcome. Yeah. You know, but that's my philosophy. It's literally a mix. it's like a I don't wanna say it, but I say these often, but people don't
0: get it. It's kind of like a chicken <laughs> noodle soup. You Alright guys, so as you as you saw, obviously the video ended right there. But basically his last thought was how, you know, philosophy, like his soccer philosophy was kind of like, you know, chicken noodle soup. Basically a mixture of everything, you know, a little mix of different philosophies. But, but literally that was the end of the conversation. So once again, we want to thank Bruno for, you know, coming on and jumping on and sharing his story. Sharing his uh, perspectives, his views on the game and everything that he's doing for, you know, the high school game. Uh, here in Houston Uh, but other than that thank you guys for uh, for watching or listening if you're listening uh, you know don't forget like share subscribe do all that thing do all those things but once again thank you y'all have a good one and I hope y'all enjoy the, the rest of the day see you guys